0: Block
1: TALK RADIO
0: You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July twenty eighth, 2015, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Slavendar and Anastasia. Our eighth crystal quest to Arkansas is October 11 through 17 and we're now gathering members of the Crystal Soul Group to participate. This group is identified by having at least one of these six star markings on your chart, either 25, 26, or 27 degrees of Capricorn, Cancer, Aquarius, Leo, Taurus, or Scorpio. If you feel the call of the crystals but aren't sure if you have the required star markings, just send an email to crystals at starseedhotline.com with your birth info. Make sure you include the date, the exact time of your birth, the place of birth, your current location, and I'll be happy to take a quick look at your charts to see if you have the markings and send you more details if you do. We have several shows in our archives entitled Crystal Quest Stories if you'd like to hear about what this has meant to other people in this soul group. We have a fascinating guest for you this evening. Hope Fitzgerald is here to tell us about the 10th dimensional energetic tool called the Infinity Wave, which was channeled to her to help transmute the pain and suffering in this dimension. Four years ago she launched the Wave Energy Center for Conscious Evolution and is the Director of Curriculum and a faculty member at godself.com as a guide for sacred travel to many sites around the world she teaches groups to communicate with the land and others to interact with the energies in those sites bringing great leaps of consciousness as a result hope is also an intuitive dowser life coach end-of-life doula and certified neurofeedback practitioner combining reiki sound and energy healing into her work Her website is we-infinity.com. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. We'd like to thank Tammy for hosting the switchboard this evening, and you'll have an opportunity to call in with questions for hope later on in the show. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com. And special thanks again to Tammy for her dedication to the forum. You can download our show podcast on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page. Just look for the cloud with an arrow on it. If you'd like to support our show, just click follow on our page here at Blog Talk and you'll get our weekly show notice. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. If you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. So, first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with the Starseed News.
2: Hello.
1: Hello. Good evening, Arielle Lavendar. Great to be with you. Another week has passed, and it's nice to be with everybody tonight. A lot of news going on in the world right now. Wow, lots to talk about need to get into it. Um, As far as the sun is concerned, NOAA forecasters estimate that there will be a 55% chance of polar geomagnetic storms tomorrow when a solar wind stream is expected to hit Earth's magnetic field. There will be auroras in that vicinity of the planet. Of course, most of us aren't there up there at the North Pole, but if they're up there, they're going to be very bright. It's a very strong storm that will occur. And, you know, you've heard the saying uh, in a blue moon. I'll see you in a blue moon, once in a blue moon. That happens once in a blue moon. Well, we just know what that means. It means it hardly ever occurs. But does anybody really know that there actually is a blue moon? Well, there is. And this year, it means the end of July. Now, for the second time this month, the moon is about to become full. Now, there was one full moon, the 2nd of July, and now another is coming just a few days on the 31st. And according to modern folklore, the second full moon is a cal- that you have in a calendar month happens to be a blue moon. <laughs> Strange but true. And yeah. in fact, sometimes the moon really does turn blue. Now, a really beautifully blue moon usually requires a volcanic eruption. Now, back in 1883, for example, people saw blue moons almost every night after the Indonesian volcano Krakatoa exploded with the force of a 100-ton mega, uh, megaton nuclear bomb. Wow. Well, we would rather not, I'd rather not see a blue moon under those circumstances. But plumes of ash rose to the very, very top of Earth's atmosphere, and the moon became azure blue must have been fabulous to look at now they say forest fires can do the same thing a famous example of that is the giant muskeg fire of September 1953 in Alberta Canada when clouds of smoke contains micron sized oil droplets produced lavender suns and blue moons all the way from North America to England And they say that since there are wildfires going on right now, we may get a blue moon in certain parts of the country, at USA and Canada, while wildfires are in progress. So watch for that. So that's what's going on. And uh, we have a big surprise, a report from uh, NASA. Now, they say that Pluto is amazing scientists because a new batch of images just released from the New Horizons mission reveal an incredibly hazy atmosphere over the dwarf planet, as well as ice flowing on its surface, just like glaciers flow on Earth. Now, this brand-new set of high-resolution images of the planet's surface reveal that ice is made of nitrogen, carbon monoxide, and methane, and it's flowing on this plane in the western hemisphere of Pluto. They say that this is an amazing sight. It's showing that Pluto has a diversity of planetary geology, and it's thrilling the scientists at NASA. Now, I'm telling you, we have the most amazing technology. Wow. I and wonder. If, I
0: wonder if they're going to promote Pluto back to a planet.
1: Well, they should, don't you think? That's really hysterical, <laughs> isn't it? That's funny, Ariel. Well, I think they should. So they should have never, you know, taken that away from us. Anyway, we talk sometimes about how much radiation does a person get when they're in, in the, on a plane in air travel, and a lot of people just think that only astronauts have to worry about cosmic radiations, but, you know, that's not really true. Regular air travelers are exposed to cosmic rays just the same as astronauts, and in fact, spaceweather.com reports that one of its team members uh, it took some students of the Earth to Sky Calculus Group, and they flew across the United States to conduct a transcontinental launch of space weather balloons. Now while they did that, they took radiation sensors on board their airplane to find out how many cosmic rays they would absorb while they were in flight. Well, summing up this entire flight and summing up the article, they say the sensors measured about one rem of radiation similar to dental x-ray. Now, radiation levels, they say, remain low at altitudes under 15,000 feet, but they say that's because Earth's atmosphere does a good job shielding uh, those altitudes from cosmic rays. But when you get above 15,000 feet, dose rates climb, climb rapidly as the plane climbs. So it makes us think that maybe pilots who fly daily and and, uh, flight attendants and people that fly frequently do get a considerable amount of radiation exposure while they're up in the air. Well, we've had lots of uh, uh, earth change incidents across the world and the country, so I'll just get right into that, leaving our space news behind. Uh, beachgoers on the Treasure Coast of Florida have noticed hundreds and hundreds of black sea creatures that have washed ashore uh, last Thursday at Waveland Beach. Now, those, cre- those creatures are, according to experts, called black sea hares. Now, they're not any they're of any threat to beachgoers. They don't sting or hurt you. Uh, they're actually a snail that doesn't have any shell. They're perfectly harmless, and they're part of the mollusk family. They say that probably cold water upwelling is pushing them closer to shore, that the cold water is causing them to not swim well, and they're getting beached. Mm. Well, that sounds rather innocuous, and yet with all of the other creatures washing to shore and all of the number of uh, deaths upon the shores of sea creatures, we have to wonder what's going on in the ocean. This is tens of thousands of these sea hares that have been beached. And uh, in the world of weird, this comes from the Times of India, you're not going to believe this, I'm just telling you what I read, they have discovered a two-headed snake. In fact, apparently Uh, two-headed snakes are not all that uh, impossible in India as there have been reports uh, before of two-headed snakes. This particular snake was seized from three poachers who were selling it. They got a lot of money for it. The police arrested them, and this is how this two-headed snake got documented. Wild. No pictures, mercifully, uh, that went with that article. But, Along the same lines, in North Carolina, there was a two-headed pig that was born. A man went out to check on his pigs that were delivered last night when he found a little tiny baby pig, but the pig had four eyes, two ears, two snouts, and, of course, four legs. The family said they'd never seen anything like it before, and, in fact, that's no wonder. So, anyway, that's going on. We read more and more about that, deformities in animals that are born. Now, in China, we are learning that they are assembling what has been hailed as the world's largest radio telescope. This is coming from their state media, but I'm just reporting it to you. It's a 500-meter tool that will boast a dish the size of 30 football fields, overtaking Puerto Rico's Arecibo Observatory that's only 305 meters in diameter. They say it's going to take about 40 minutes to walk around the single aperture telescope, which they're calling FAST. 40 minutes to walk around the diameter of this telescope. It will be constructed deep in the mountains of one of these uh, Jinzhou provinces. <laughs> you know, I can't speak Chinese. But yeah. so it is actually being built inside a valley. It is so large they are building it inside a valley. You know, that kind of reminds me of that film 2012 where they were building these big arcs, these big boats inside of a valley so that when the water came through, the boats could lift. That brings that image back to mind. Something so large that it takes a valley to build it. Wow. So anyway, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big telescope. Pretty amazing stuff. And thing. we've had some earthquakes. Huh? What? You'll get me. good shots, I'm sure. Well, you know, it's just amazing the kinds of things that we're learning about the universe from the technology we're developing here on Earth. And as I often said to you before, it's you just wonder has to want one has to wonder uh, what they're telling uh, not telling us that they already know. We're we're getting stuff years behind of what they are finding right. out. Yeah, and I just know you know you know that as well as I do. Right. Well, anyway, we've had some earthquake activity along the Alaska coast. There was a strong 6.9 quake that hit off the coast of western Alaska. It happened near the islands of Four Mountains, according to the USGS, and in Indonesia, a magnitude 6.0 that occurred yesterday. There's been no risk of a tsunami, but you know we have had an awful lot of activity along the Ring of Fire. In fact, we've had 10 major volcanoes uh, suddenly uh, erupt to life uh, very recently along that Ring of Fire, so something's going on. As well as, as I've mentioned previously on the show, uh, islands being raised from the bottom of the ocean and undersea volcanoes. Uh, undersea volcanoes going off. Well, in Portugal, Comet 169P Neat exploded over the province of Cuenca, and fragments of it have been seen from one of Spain's largest observatories all the way in Toledo. Now shards of rock plummeted downwards at a speed of 80,000 kilometers per hour and broke up when they hit the Earth's atmosphere in a violent impact that turned them into bright balls of fire. The largest and fastest fragment impacted with the atmosphere above the south coast. They say it created a fireball brighter than the moon. And in Wendover, Utah, maybe some of you have heard about the uh, races that go on in the Salt Flats of Utah, the Wendover, Utah Salt Flats. You know, they have a small city of tents and trailers and just thousands upon thousands of visitors that go there almost every August in the Utah desert to watch cars and motorcycles and anything with wheels just rocket across those gleaming white sheets of salt at speeds that actually top 400 miles per hour. It's, uh, It's a famous event. They do it every year. But... Wet weather this year has forced the cancellation of Speed Week Week, and has revived this little debate about whether nearby mining is depleting the Bonneville salt flats of their precious resource. Racers say that they think that mining is draining an aquifer that helps replenish the flats every year, that leaves deposits of the hard salt, which makes for a glass-like surface for those race cars that are famous for breaking the world land speed records. Now, federal land managers say there's no evidence that the salt is being depleted, but racers do claim that the international racetrack used to be 13 miles long and that now they can't even come up with 7 miles to race their cars. So, anyway, some changes there. Yeah. And a powerful earthquake did happen in uh, Indonesia today killed a teenage boy that fell into a river as he fished and damaged several buildings. It was 7.0, it struck in the early hours, lasted for about four seconds, and it caused a 160-foot crack to appear in a road. So they're not worried about tsunamis, I can't imagine why, but again, Indonesia sits on the Pacific Ring of Fire where the tectonic plates collide that cause frequent seismic and volcanic activity. And in Alaska, back to Alaska we go. Researchers, they say, may never solve the recent deaths of 18 endangered whales whose carcasses were found floating near Alaska's Kodiak Island. The samples were taken from one of the 10 fin whales, uh, and they, they say that because they didn't get good testing conditions, they're not sure about the results they say that uh, this has been going on since memorial day uh ended this early this month early july They think that an environmental toxin is the cause, but they're not sure. uh, They took other tests, which uh, results are pending. They took a tissue sample that's being tested for the possibility of radionuclides from the Fukushima nuclear disaster. They've looked at other possibilities, including sonar, underwater activities with military and also seismic explosions. They say these deaths are an unusual occurrence because they haven't heard anything uh, similar occurring among large baleen whales in the United States. Now, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is also looking into the deaths of a slightly number a larger number of whales over an even larger area, and NOAA is requesting the deaths to be designated nationally as an unusual mortality event, which would free federal funding to further study the deaths. Now along with the dead whales that have been reported, we've had dead words, dead, excuse me, dead birds, including Murray's and shearwaters and others. I mean there's just so many that are going on along the Pacific coast. So let's hope that they discover the cause of that. And in Oklahoma City, this is out of Oklahoma City from Reuters. They say that several earthquakes shook Oklahoma yesterday as the state has begun to experience a sharp increase in the frequency of tremors that are linked to wastewater disposal from gas and oil drilling, including from fracking, and this is according to state and federal officials three of Monday's quakes measured above a magnitude 4.0 with a 4.5 earthquake that was centered just 45 miles north of Oklahoma City. Now, they're expressing concern about that because they say as the magnitude goes up, the chances of damages increase. Now, the largest tremor, the 4.5, was logged a significant earthquake. It could be felt as far away as Wichita, Kansas, which is 160 miles away. There were no reports of damage, but they have noted that the rate of earthquakes in Oklahoma has increased by about 50% in two years. And noticeable quakes, which they consider to be above magnitude 3.0, now hit the state at a rate of two per day or more compared with two or so per year prior to 2009. And during the past seven days, Oklahoma has experienced about 40 earthquakes according to the USGS. Scientists do say that the seismic activity is triggered by the injection of wastewater from booming oil and gas drilling operations that are going too deep into geological formations. Now, that's just an enormous increase, from wow. two per year to two per day. Somebody better get on that, huh? Well, I have to tell you, there is leprosy-causing bacteria that is continuing to infect people in the southern United States, mainly in Florida, where nine people have been diagnosed with the disease so far this year. Well, everybody wants to know what what's to blame for this, And we think of leprosy as an ancient disease but it's not it's still um, active on the planet now some experts are saying that it could be the nine-banded armadillo little armadillo critter that roams wild across much of the southeast and people are saying experts are saying keep your distance from the armadillos don't play with them don't eat them and don't keep them as pets well, while, in fact, the cause of the Florida cases is apparently still unknown, the armadillo theory is just that. Nobody knows. Now, researchers do acknowledge that armadillos can transmit that disease to humans, but the Florida Department of Health hasn't tested the strains in the patients who've had it to see whether they match those found in armadillos. I don't know why they wouldn't have tested them, but they haven't. Uh, there is successful treatment for leprosy. It began way back in the 1940s, and now they treat it with long-term antibiotics. And moreover, about 95% of people are uh, are resistant to leprosy. Most people are very resistant to it. And um, in Osaka, Japan, we have video footage that has captured 10 white circular balls floating in the sky above Osaka, Now these globes are quick moving. They dance around in this two minute long video and they're very similar to those that were spotted above a concert in Hyde Park in England last month. But in the London sighting, the lights that they saw hovered in the sky for just a moment before they disappeared. And the Osaka globes are hanging around a whole lot longer. And to top that off, Last month, there was mysterious footage from NASA's live feed that appeared to show 3 bluer UFOs leaving the Earth's atmosphere and flying off into space, and then of course claims emerged that NASA had abruptly cut off the footage, which apparently is exactly what happened, and of course many people, many of us, were convinced the government was trying to conceal the proof of alien visitors. And we have had, across the planet, a number of UFO sightings. So they're still ongoing. That's still happening. And I really think that the reportings of these have lessened a little bit because I will tell you, Starseed, as I've been doing the news over these number of years, it's getting harder and harder to find news. The Internet is not as free and open as it used to be. Well, anyway, that's it for tonight's news, and we're going to have a wonderful show using the infinity wave, that is a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to hear all about this. Uh, but thank you so much. It's going to so be great. Much. You know, I, I've, I really appreciate the, the work that you put in on the news, and a lot of people do. I get emails from a lot of people um, saying how much they appreciate oh. that. Because it's things that, I mean, like you said, it's, it's hard to find, and, and it's not going to be on network TV. But it Thank you, that,
1: Arielle. You know, I give, what, 10 to 15 minutes of news, and it takes many hours of research, digging to find a lot of this. And it's just because it's getting harder and harder to find. So I think it does make this particular segment of the program to be relatively important because we do need to stay informed. And there are many things that I don't bring to the forum because we don't have time. But nevertheless, thank you. It's a privilege to do it, and I appreciate that, that that the uh, listeners do like that. I'm glad to be of service in this way. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Anastasia. And uh, right now we are going to turn it over to Lavendar as soon as I get your mic open. Hang on a second. Hey, Lavendar, I am going to bring Hope online here just a moment. Hello, Hope and Lavendar, you are both set and ready to go.
3: Okay, great. Well, Hope, I am so happy that you uh, are joining us. But as I was reading over some of your material, I, I remembered that you had been in Fenhorn back in 1976, and, and back in the, oh, I don't know, middle 80s, I got very, very involved in reading all about Fenhorn at one time. I really wanted to take a trip over there. So, but I haven't heard about Fenhorn in a long, long time, so if you would, Hope, just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you wound up at Fenhorn.
2: Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Well, um, I'm very happy to be with you ladies tonight. I am a huge fan of your show, and Anastasia, I really appreciate your news every week, and so just want to make sure I tip my hat to you all before I dive in. Um, I uh, was brought up by a very intrepid mother who was pushing all kinds of envelopes (laughs) when I was very young, so... I was introduced to, for instance, uh, she had me go and do a TM, Transcendental Meditation, when I was a teenager, and uh, there were healing circles in my home. And so, you know, I was indoctrinated a little bit into another way of looking at things. And one day I uh, just picked up a, a book that she had next to her desk, and it was called The Fintorn Garden, and I just started reading. And I got about halfway through it and my mouth was hanging open and I said, "Oh my gosh, I have to go here. Uh, this is incredible." Well, it turned out that she was going as well, my mother. so we went to Scotland uh, in nineteen seventy six and I had <laughs> she traveled ahead of me. I was about a week behind and I'll tell you something odd happened the morning that I woke up to... Get on the plane. I sat up in bed, and even though I'd been a meditator, I still was a very logical person. I'd, I'd really held on to my uh, left brain <laughs> way of approaching life, and so when I sat up and my head felt like it was three feet above my body, I was just couldn't move out of the bed for a minute because I I didn't know what to do with this different feeling. Uh, Eventually, I got up and I walked around and my head just stayed three feet above my body. Of course, my physical head wasn't there, but it felt like it was. And that feeling stayed with me until the day I returned home three months later. So something was already at work. Uh, I ended up having missed connections on the trip there and so and so forth. I was helped. Everything flowed beautifully. Finally get to this very remote, tiny sea village uh, on the North Sea. And um, I'm driven to the classic, famous trailer park. And I can tell you that it. It was as droopy as you may have read, <laughs> lavender. It, it was just a little, sort of like half of the spokes of a wheel, and each spoke would be a trailer moving away from the circular driveway, the semicircular driveway. And they were just trailers plunked down onto sand. All around them was sand and a little bit of seagrass here and there, uh, a few people had planted a few marigolds, you know, kind of looking a little sad in pots and, and so on. And, and there's the sea across the dune, and there's a, a tiny bay uh, on the other side of the road. It's a very narrow spit of sand that goes into the sea there. So it was really nothing but sand and seagrass and these trailers. Until I looked to the left, and it was as close to Kansas before Dorothy takes the ride and landing in Oz as I can. I, that's the best way to describe it, because when I looked to the left, there was lush greenery. There was the what hit me was the sound of bees, and I started to walk in, and my mouth was hanging open because there were bushes and uh, there was a rubber tree with a healthy trunk, a rubber tree in northern Scotland. And they had labeled their plants, fortunately, because I I was just dumbfounded so I could at least look at the plant names and say, this is growing here, how is this this possible? And I turned around and looked at the sea. seagrass and sand and I turned back and I look at this lush landscape and right then and there my left and right brains kind of disconnected and they said okay the gig is up because this does not make any logical sense so uh, I settled into the routine at that time you would take a course that lasted a week or two weeks or three weeks and part of the course um, was Part of the day was also working at, at the community. So you would have class and then you'd have a work time and then you'd have lunch, then you have a class and then a work time and dinner and so on. We got into the rhythm of that and our courses were taught by just magnificent young people. And one of the things that they taught us was this theory of evolution that they. From their studying of Teilhard de Chardin, and uh, and this theory of evolution came in very handy many many years later when this infinity wave came and decided to visit me, uh, and I'll get to that maybe a little later. But um, I would say that what what happens at what happened at Fendhorn. Uh, all the stories are true. There was a pulse uh, that was palpable, and basically, it was very difficult to resist if one even wanted to resist it. I hung on to a little bit of logic for about three days, and then forget it. Uh, the, I like to say my cork blew out of the top of my head, and I was, I was just in love. Uh, this this entire place was like a, a love. Nest. It was giant, you know. A love nest. It was, it was being in touch with the landscape. It was being in touch with other human beings. It was learning how to do these work sessions in a way where we attuned to one another. That was so beautiful that work was enjoyable, uh, went by quickly, and always had a good result. Whether you know you were cleaning the latrines or if you were working in the kitchen or whatever. And uh, one day I signed up for the work duty to help put the, what they decided to do when they built this um, hall, which actually I'm just realizing right now is Kennedy Hall, um, but they didn't bolt the roof onto the structure. It was an octagonal structure. Well, there's another eight, that's, that's interesting. Anyway, they, what they did instead was they gathered up large stones from the sea, and they put them on top of the roof to weight it down, so that it would be held fast onto the structure. And so we would have a kind of a uh, pass the bucket kind of thing, where some of us were on ladders and and we'd hand pass the stones from person to person up the ladder, and then somebody on the roof would place the stones. So I was um, on the roof. Uh, taking these stones and and placing them for my work detail and um, I had lunch with a gentleman uh, at a group table kind of thing and chatted a little bit and many years later I went to see this movie called My Dinner with Andre and the whole time I was saying to my friend gee, you know, that guy looks so familiar. Have we seen him in anything? Is he an actor, you know? And my friend said, no, I've never seen him before. And then you get to the end of the movie, and he starts talking about putting the, the stones on the roof at Findor, and I went, oh, my gosh, he's the guy I had lunch with that day. Anyway. Listen, was his thing, name Ann Merrick? No, his name was Andre Gregory. Oh, okay. Uh, so the other thing that they taught there, which – I took with me and I've used my whole life um, was what they called the law of manifestation and so way before we we you know learned all the other ways to manifest uh, they were teaching it Um, and it really I I, I've used it so many I've used it so many times it's been a guiding light in my life so I stayed there as long as I possibly could. I asked to become a member of the community, but uh, I was told I was too young and I needed to go out and figure my life out. <laughs> and so I came home. And, well, let um, me ask you, were you
3: able to experience any, any fairies, any divas, any elementals while you were there?
2: I wish I could say yes, uh, but most people don't. Okay. Um, however... They did teach us how to communicate with them. And so I would say, going forward in my life, certain things have happened You know, as a result. Um, from We were brought out into the landscape a number of times, into the woods and um, the streams and so on. And every single one of us was just hoping like heck to be able to see something. But uh, most didn't because when i look back now i realize you know i still had too many layers on me to be able to do that um but just being opened to the existence of them to the uh the tangible quality of of living in in nature in a a brand new way uh was enough for me really um you know i haven't kept up with it what's happened
3: since then do they still have um a finhorn foundation up and running
2: there they do they do i haven't been back i half of me wants to go and half of me doesn't because i sort of want to preserve the extraordinary experience that i had um yes they they still have that hall and famous people come there and speak and do workshops there i think the land is still quite potent I, i don't see how it could not be um the people who originally started it ultimately separated and went their different ways. And one of them, uh, Eileen Caddy, went to Mount Shasta. Uh, I don't know her status at this point, um, but so it's it's passed along, but, but it's interesting that uh, actually my teacher ended up starting a community just an hour and 15 minutes from where I live now, and I had no idea, so we have been reunited, which has been great. And um, and he is carrying on all the principles from Findhorn and then some of his own because of course it keeps evolving. We, of course, we learned about permaculture. Their just their their ability to live harmoniously with each other and with the land um, was just extraordinary, and and set an example. You know that many many people from all over the world were called to. I mean, people took cattle boats, you know, from South Africa. I mean, the stories and the age ranges, people from all over were called there. Um, so I do feel I was too, and um, and I'm forever grateful. So how
3: old were you when you went there?
2: I was 21. 21,
3: okay. But yeah. you've got a really good foundation for what's happening for you now. So let's talk about what you're doing now, and I see that you take groups to uh, different places around the planet. Tell us a little bit about where you go and 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 the things that happen on your on your
2: trips. Well, it might be uh, better if I start with the Infinity Wave because that's All right. A big let's start part. there. All right. That's a big part of how how we do the land work. Okay. Um. So the so since the one thing I learned from Fintorn is. When I came home and I was bubbling over with my mind-altering experience there, and this is in 1976, as we said, so people's eyes would sort of glaze over and I'd get a raised eyebrow. And I realized that very quickly I was going to have to zip my mouth up about this because there was just no receptivity at that time in most circles. So I just, Stayed very quiet on my spiritual journey. Uh, I I learned different healing techniques. I I kept studying. I kept reading. I kept I took workshops, etc. All through those years, um, really hungering for understanding my path, um, understanding uh, or wishing for a direct contact of some sort, so that I could be more effective in my spiritual walkabout on this planet and uh and i just did that very privately and then in 2010 i had a very challenging year of uh, very difficult circumstances over the course of nine months um really left to me completely devoid of energy in all categories, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And fortunately, I was able to go to a workshop, a sound workshop, actually back-to-back sound workshops in the Pacific Northwest with Tom Kenyon. Did that in the end of October, beginning of November. The reason I mention that is because I knew on some level that I needed a reboot. I, I needed an energy refill for sure, but I needed more than that. I, I really wanted to, what I, what I call, wipe my inner bowl clean. I wanted to erase all the stories, all the mishigas from my whole life and, um, and start over. And when you go into an experience like He offers with that kind of mindset um, things can happen and they did and by the end of the two weeks I was uh, feeling delightfully empty (laughs) and also I had come to full circle with the events of the year and many other events where I had come to not only a sense of forgiveness for what had happened but a gratitude for the lessons that it had taught me and I said to spirit I am so blissfully grateful for this understanding I am now a willing vessel do with me what you will I made that commitment right there at the very last practice on the very last day and I came home and I was so delightfully empty. I mean, you could have called me any name, and I would have responded. I, it was just fantastic, um, empty in a in a good way. Empty meaning, you know, detached from all the old stories that maybe would hamper one. And uh, and then on the third day, I all of a sudden started to receive these a series of visions. I didn't know what was happening all of a sudden I saw uh, in my mind's eye a giant tsunami like wave and I say tsunami like because it didn't feel threatening but it was huge hundreds of feet high and actually quite beautiful and it was um... there was a byline with this beautiful blue wave and it said There is an energetic push. There is a wave coming, and it is a push of evolution. And if you choose to swim or surf with it, you will do much better. If you stand and resist it, it will be quite difficult. Now, I wasn't going around talking about evolution. Let me tell you, that was not not a word that came up very often at that point. So I went, okay. And the next thing that happened was that I saw a cross-section of this wave. So imagine a huge curling wave that looks like the letter C, you know, going into that tube like look where the surfers go. And the byline with this was as the water pulls away from the shore to deepen into the seabed to gain its energy to create that crested wave, so you should leave everything on the shore, everything you know, leave it there, and go to the earth, go to the wisdom of the earth and those who know her wisdom, and that's the only thing to gather as you mix it with this new energy that's coming in, and then the the curling, cresting wave, instead of just falling down into the water, it became a standing figure eight made of flowing water and there was no byline with that but it hung out about two feet in front of my third eye for a couple of days now I'm I wasn't uh, used to having that sort of thing happen I mean I've had a lot of experiences over the years but these visions and having something stay there uh, you know was was definitely a change so I'm a dowser, so I sat down with my dowsing rods and and started asking questions, because clearly something wanted to get my attention. And through dowsing, I came to understand that this this image uh, called itself the infinity wave, that this is a gift to us to help us evolve more quickly, more easily, Uh, even more gently, and it was the key to dealing with this evolutionary push that we were all going to be experiencing. So then I was told that I needed to create workshops, and I needed to do one a month for nine months starting in January 2011, and they would be series of three, so January, February, March, and then a new series, et cetera. And I said, well, I really don't want to do that. (laughs) And they said, tough beans, you know, (laughs) basically. Yeah, I know that one. (laughs) You you know that one, right? I knew you would. And they said, you know, you raised your hand. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I sure did. I said it was a willing vessel. Dag, nabbit. (laughs) So I didn't fight very long. I just kind of went okay but i wasn't i didn't feel i was prepared to be a leader of spiritual things because i still felt i'm still learning and you know i'm i also was terrified even though i've been a director and a teacher of other things um standing up and and teaching about spirituality was very frightening and I figured out why later, but at the time, uh, it was an unreasonable quaking in my boots. Um, so I, I mention that because I think a lot of people are standing on the threshold of maybe doing something that doesn't make logical sense or that terrifies them, and they're they're just standing on the threshold and all I can say is I ha- I understand I've been there repeatedly and I encourage you to, to, to just take that step into the unknown into this if you're being called somewhere go ahead and do it because the rewards will be there and if you fly blind for a while oh well you'll you'll be okay you will be supported so that's that's why I mentioned that um, so what happened, so here's the infinity wave. Do you want me to keep going about this? Yes. Okay. So what I said to my guides, listen, um, you want me to do a workshop. I don't even know what this energetic is. I don't know anything. I don't know what I would talk about for two and a half days. So they said, don't worry, we will give you practices. And all you have to do is sit down once a week and we'll deliver a practice to you. So we'll try that on so sure enough uh they i sat down every week in january until the the workshop and these practices just dropped right in and i had not had this kind of thing happen before i had recently purchased a set of crystal bowls and i thought well, maybe i'll play a crystal bowl while i deliver these practices that could be kind of cool and then i doused for which crystal bowl wanted to play for which practice and that's then i thought okay if this is all about evolution then i better figure something out about evolution so i went back to my Fintorn teachings and terre de chardin and one thing I had remembered very clearly was this image of a bottle you can imagine a wine bottle perhaps where it's fat at the bottom and then the neck slowly gracefully starts to get smaller for the neck of the bottle. so there's creating kind of a shoulders on the bottle if you will and we were told at Fintorn that 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 shoulder part and into the uh, n- bottom of the neck of the bottle is called a peduncle. A peduncle, you can look it up in biology. It's actually where a stem comes up and in the, in the flower is where they join. Um, but in Teilhard de Chardin's way of thinking, uh, everything, he already understood that everything w- was moving, is moving in the universe, and that For instance, atoms are moving around, and every tiniest particle has what he calls a god spark in it. So if you imagine the fat part of this bottle uh, with lots and lots of atoms floating around, moving around, and spiraling uh, upwards, because there does seem to be a tendency to spiral in nature, as they get towards the top, as they get towards the peduncle, They're squeezed together. There's more concentration of them, and the friction that starts to happen heats them up. And the next thing you know, something pops through the neck of the bottle, something that is slightly larger, slightly more elegant, and has a larger God spark. So what pops through the bottle but a molecule? And then the molecules gather in the bottom of the next bottle, and then there's another peduncle, and then through that neck pops the next larger thing. So this is how Teilhard de Chardin theorized evolution happening. And you know what, what I saw as you
3: were saying that? I saw a genie
2: coming out of the bottle. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, when we were looking at a timeline that they drew at Fintorn, you see this long, you know, almost no movement in the line at all through the millions of years where uh, nature basically happened. And then as soon as man hit the scene, the evolutionary curve went straight upwards. And at the top of that, and then now remember, this is 1976, there was an image of Homo sapiens with a very large head. And this was his way of saying that mankind is also evolving, and the man of the future is going to have, if not a larger head, more brain capacity. So what would that look like? That might look like they have more extrasensory abilities. Uh, It might be be that they can communicate brain to brain. It, 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 It can be a whole lot of things a mind over matter, ability to, uh, you know, levitate, ability to uh, bilocate, all kinds of things which we know certain adepts have been able to do already. So anyway, this is what Pierre Chardin called the superman, but I'm going to call it the superhuman. And, and what I was standing um, with this infinity wave, and, and in going in to teach the first workshop to my dear, dear friends who you know, risked their time <laughs> to come in and be in this class, what I, I realized was that, that we, if we indeed are on this evolutionary trajectory and that it's going to be speeding up, then this tool that they were telling us about, this infinity wave, Really might be the key to helping us become these superhumans, these uh, more sensitive, more able, more capable people. So I went into the workshop, really nervous, and thinking either they're going to cart me out of here or, you know, and send me to the looney bin, or this might be meaningful to people and it turns out that it was meaningful to people in fact the the joy quotient in in the room and i would say uh in subsequent workshops went way up and stayed up for me it has to be more than just a lovely weekend together because everybody feels good after that for something to really be uh, believable it's got to have legs it's got to last and it's got to last in situations that are challenging and we all have them. So that's how uh, we began this this project with the Infinity Wave. And uh, I was taught how to teach it through the channeling. Basically, so how do you
3: use this wave?
2: Yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly. So if we all imagine, just sitting in front of us is a, is a big number eight, and it's made of flowing water. Now, you can, it can show up in any color, it can show up in any, it can be on the side, standing up and down, it can be any way. There's no wrong way to do to envision the wave. So this is a representation of, of the moving energy that is in the universe anyway. It makes sense to me that we would be given a moving energetic to live in a moving universe. It is comprised of this ultra-purified love and compassion, and I always say, and other trace minerals, because I don't know everything that's in the wave. But this is a 10th dimensional level of love and compassion which is really almost more than most humans can conceive but when we invite that figure eight made of flowing water if we invite the idea of that into our bodies we can all do that right now we can pull it right in it can either it can stretch across our heart centers it can sit in our torso from the neck down down to, you know, the sternum, the, not the sternum, the sacrum. And just imagine that this water, this watery flow is happening in the body. Now, most people when they start to work with that imagery start to feel themselves calming down. Some people get a big rush of energy, but most people start to settle in. They start to calm that's because they're giving themselves, we're all giving ourselves right now, a bath, purified love and compassion, and can't we all use that? I mean, <laughs> you know. Yes,
3: absolutely. Yes, we can. <laughs> Do you visualize a color that goes with it? Uh,
2: again, it. You anything that comes to mind, it is a living energetic. So we're used to thinking, okay, I'm going to, paste this on this and it needs to be this way this is a living energetic which means that it will show up to you and dance with you in the way that is particular to you so yours may be orange right now and tomorrow it might be yellow it might be in a different orientation it might be a different size it there is no limit to the way it can show up and uh, and the, the way it might look. You can stretch this infinity wave down into the core of the earth and up as far as you want to go, up and out into the universe. And it is it is the ultimate fluid device. It's a tool. So I don't know if you, if you can feel any sense of calming or flow in your body right now, but I promise you that some point you will I have had people in the in the workshop say to me well I'm not good at imagery I don't really get it and uh, and I say just just wait and sure enough within a few days it when least expected all of a sudden it pops in and now those people are able to imagine all kinds of things and see colors and feel things they never felt before Um, it's really a way to remove resistance remove blockages among a lot of other things it's got it it delivers a a long list of of things but don't you think it it it
3: activates your natural state of what of who you are and how you came to the planet to do evolutionary work
2: I would say yes and I would say and it also elevates it because what we get with the wave is First and foremost, that, which is so important, lavender, so important that we just align with who we are anyway. And then it allows us, it helps us to have that direct contact with spirit, with source, whatever you want to call it, and with our higher guidance, whatever. Um, and with the earth. So here's, here's one of the pieces of, of learning that, the wave has taught me over time. The if we if we look at the number eight, we of course see geometry that is very um, common. We we we've seen it everywhere, and we know that it exists in nature. And if you twist it, it looks like the DNA strand. I mean, it just it's it's all over the place. This geometry, and we also know that it is thought uh, thought to be a perfect example of what as above so below might look like now i had always thought as above so below meant as in heaven so on earth on earth so if we were going to take the wave we would let the bottom loop of it sit on the surface of the earth and the rest of it would go above our heads but what i've been taught through the wave is it's not that the bottom half of the figure eight is the earth at the above is the heavens, the, the cosmos, the universe, whatever you, again, you want to call it. The below is the earth itself, the spirituality, and they are equal. We're used to knowing that nature is important, knowing we can work with nature. I've taken shaman, shaman classes and done shamanistic work even before the classes, so I, I do understand this. But the extent to which they are equal, we don't really get that uh, taught to us very often. And if you look at where the, the lines cross in the center, that is where we are. We're on the surface of the earth, right in the middle, right in the fulcrum between these two great spiritual realms. And able to be the ones effecting change on the planet at the at the behest of these two spiritual realms it's one of these things where we can uh we can dial into the planet and listen to her guidance and we can dial us to our spiritual guides our departed others our creator it, itself be given guidance They are not embodied. They can't walk around and make things happen. They can make things happen, certainly, but we are the ones who are walking on this planet who can effect change. So I believe that this is our birthright and that this is ultimately our responsibility to take this sacred positioning um, both seriously and with a sense of joy and lightness. I love this statement that you made.
3: Evolution is not a solo journey.
2: (laughs) I love that. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, when we're moving, some of the practices, for instance, the early practices that came in, uh, I mean, of course, it was all a surprise to me. I never knew what to expect. So one of the early ones was to help us experience being free from gravity. And another one that swiftly followed was becoming free from time now later on I kind of put it together oh if you want us to be experiencing life beyond 3d then we are going to have to figure out how to be free from gravity and time because that's what basically binds us here right right so yeah. the first I, I, I want to say they were the first two or three practices being out of gravity and out of time now we're free to travel where are we going to travel and what are we going to do next so these are some of the follow-up practices um because the whole goal is to ultimately live multidimensionally. i I believe that's the goal and and what do i mean by that well it it is a blessing that we chose to be here especially at this time and it's an exciting time it's a it's a scary time as well it's a challenging time for sure but it's a crucial time and so we chose to come in here and so what the heck are we doing here anyway um, we are here to evolve and help this process along help this process evolve together and I fully believe in the hundreds monkey theory that you know if enough of us are are on this path with this focus and intention not that we know exactly what it's going to look like but at least we are bringing in anchoring in love anchoring in compassion anchoring in the higher qualities that we know are possible uh, then we are we're going to tip the balances but back to multi So the idea is to be in this dimension and to soak up all the wonderful density that is here because, look, we get to experience our senses, uh, which are fantastic, you know, just the colors of the world around us, sounds, the sights, the, the, the tastes. And we're also allowed, though, to experience more than that, more freedom so that we know we don't have to stay sort of down on this lower range only. We have the ability to stay in a higher mindset as we experience 3D. And this is something that the WAVE has been very, very helpful for. Uh, If if people want to go down the rabbit hole and, and really go through a transformation, the WAVE can do it. But let's just go back to daily life because you and I are having this conversation And you have a wave going in you and I have a wave going in me. And now I'm going to connect up our waves. I'm going to, from the center of my heart, I'm going to run a wave loop to your heart. And now we're going to be connecting up in this 10-dimensional frequency. Now, when people do this, when they connect up this way, the conversation, not that ours wouldn't be anything but wonderful, but the conversation goes up a notch or two or three. And I can give you a great example of this um, that happened at the end of 2011. By then, I was pretty sold on this wave as being something that was a thing. <laughs> and I, you know, it took me a while to to really buy in 100%, but I went out to uh, L.A. with a friend of mine who was having surgery on her neck Quite, quite, you know, touchy surgery and so she was justifiably nervous as she went in but she had done a really good job in preparing for surgery by um, studying hypnosis uh, for surgery so one of the things that the book had told her that she should do is to write down on a little piece of paper what she wanted the anesthesiologist to say to her as she was going under and coming out of anesthesia So she was programming her subconscious mind that that the surgery went well, that her body healed quickly, et cetera, et cetera. So she wrote it on a beautiful piece of Venetian paper and she was really clutching it in her hand. And and we were right there 10 feet away from the surgical theater and she's in her cap and gown. And we're, last thing is we're waiting to meet the anesthesiologist. It's about six o'clock in the morning, you know, and in comes this woman and she had a clipboard tight to her uh, chest in the crook of her arm. And, and she had on this very unusual surgical cap that looked a little like a mini pizza hat, but it was red and had flex on it. It was just a, very unusual. And uh, she stood opposite the bed. I was at the foot of the bed in a chair, and she stood opposite me. And she never took her eyes off her clipboard. And she said, okay, so we're going to be operating on this and this and this and this today. And all this medical ease came pouring out of her mouth. And she was not relating in any way to her patient. And I looked at my friend and I could see her eyes getting big and her getting really upset because she's probably thinking, uh oh, this anesthesiologist is not going to take my piece of paper and do what I need her to do. And I'm not comfortable. So this is what I'm reading in my friend's face. So I looked at this doctor and I thought, you know, I don't really like picture I want a different one and almost like you know um, I dream of Jeannie I kind of sent her this wave blast uh, and I said very very simply I like your hat just like that and this wave blast traveled and I guess had an impact because her head popped up she swiveled to my friend she said, hey, babe, how are you doing? Are you ready to do the surgery today? I am going to take such good care of you. Oh, what do you have for me that looks like a recipe on this beautiful piece of paper? I love to do things like that. Anyway, she had a 180 in an instant, a nanosecond. And both my friend and I saw it. Of course, my friend didn't realize what I had done but or I had invited to happen. And... Um, We talked about it later because it was so stunning there was no nothing else to cause that reaction and she never looked at me so it wasn't like she even heard me say i like your hat she never addressed that she went so what i believe happened there is that she got hit with in a beautiful way with a huge burst of love and compassion and it jolted her into her highest self. I love that. And uh, there are many, many, many other stories, but that's probably the most dramatic way of communicating, that you can use the wave with somebody in the checkout line. uh, If you're going into a legal process or you're working with your family or whatever, just every day smoothing out of life's ups and downs, and helping yourself to stay in that calm and peaceful place while you navigate. that That's just the everyday wave, and anybody can do it, and anybody can teach it in a few minutes, really even less. And that's the, the beauty of the simplicity of it. Um, and... Uh, I can tell you that it works. You could just play with it. You don't have to even believe it in the beginning. Just just go and play with it and see what happens.
3: Well, I have used that infinitive wave uh, sideways in uh, in a, in a uh, physical where I, I I sway my body in a figure eight. You know what I'm talking about?
2: Yes, yes, I do.
3: And I do that a lot with. Um, we do that with our questers when we go to Hot Springs, Arkansas. I I, I use that quite a bit. Yeah. That,
2: and that always feels so good, doesn't it? it
3: does I, I love the figure eight. In fact, on 8888, I had a group of women down in Aruba, and buried them in the sand, and they all came up together at once, hearing you know chariots of fire on their on their headsets, and it was a, a marvelous time. And they and they started doing the figure eights out there on the beach, oh. and it was
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. <laughs> On eight eight eighty eight,
3: it really it it took off and it flew. It flew. Fantastic. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, how does this wave work with the quantum field?
2: Well, the quantum field. You know what we what we've been taught about it is that everything affects everything, and of even observing something affects that thing the outcome of it or the behavior of that thing so when we apply the way I think the wave was built to work with the quantum field to work with that idea how is it that uh, you and I can connect like this with this technology and I'm assuming that we are connecting that way we are both feeling uh, in this conversation deeply in this conversation partly because of the infinity wave. That's the quantum field. We can affect, really, reality shifting as a result of using a technology like this. I, have not, I gave the example of this doctor, and there are many other do, uh, uh, examples where outcomes have been changed as a result of applying the wave to it, because people places and things respond to love and compassion and in high doses.
3: Now, do you have a so, book written
2: about this? Well, I am writing a book about this. Okay. And I'm I'm hoping to get it done very quickly. <laughs>
3: you got to tell your fanhorn story at the beginning because it's important. Okay. I will. Yeah, absolutely. It it it, it I I, lo- I love that you started out to go there with nature because it gave you the, 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 the basis and the foundation for what you're doing now.
2: Oh, it's so true. I mean, I, I, you know, when you look back, when we all look back on our lives and we see how the breadcrumbs were dropped and uh, how it created a path for us, uh, at the time, of course, we have no idea uh, what we're doing or why necessarily, or maybe we think we have an idea, but we don't have the bigger picture. And um, I look at that that trip as, just as you say, really informing my life so deeply uh, going forward many, many years later. I'm very grateful for it.
3: You know, one time when I was down in Yucatan and I was on my way to Copa, the um, pyramid, some bees came and they formed figure eights over my head as I was walking.
2: Oh my goodness!
3: They were in, they were in they were bunched up in figure in a big figure eight uh, above my head as I was walking to the pyramid and and the guide and the people that were with me um, they, they took pictures of it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh wow! That what a beautiful. It's been with me for for some time. I think it's just. Well, eights are always. Um, yes. Um, when I play horses, I like to play the eights.
1: Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> when win? I uh,
3: go to different places and and I see a lot of eights sh- showing up, either in my you know uh, my money or license plates or you know, they're everywhere. They're just everywhere.
2: They are, and and you know it's the 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 figure eight. As I said, has been with us forever. Um, but what's interesting now, and I think there, there are people who have written me over the years, oh, I'm an eight person, you know, or their email will have a whole bunch of eights in it. And um, there are people out there who are certainly clued into this particular number and this particular geometry. But here's something that's kind of interesting. Um, so in uh, spring of 2012, I just come back from a trip in England following it was a pilgrimage of sorts and i was uh you know woke up at five in the morning because i was on a different time change and happened to look on my facebook page and right on the top of it uh, and if i'd gotten up any later i would have missed this right on the top was an image that to me looked like two purple bubbles one on top of the other with a little like little white line in the middle so it looked like a purple bubbly eight with a line coming through the middle and perhaps you've seen this photograph I clicked on the photograph to find out more about it because of course when we see an eight we want to know more right so mm-hmm. it turns out it's a picture that NASA had taken in November 2010 the same month the infinity wave came in and wow. it was the first time that NASA had been able to pierce the hazy cloud that obscured the galactic center from their cameras. And when they were able to pierce it, this is what they saw. So then I clicked into the interview because this picture was from CNN into the interview and a gentleman turns out I found out later lives about an hour from me uh, who was the foremost expert was explaining that this was a gamma ray blast from the galactic center that had perhaps emanated 50,000 light years before and what it was doing was ballooning out throughout the galaxy now I here I'd already been taught that there's this wave coming, that there's this energetic push coming. I had also come across information from geologists and um, biologists that periodically over the course of uh, history, well, you know, just in terms of the history of the planet, there are these apparent leaps of evolution that have happened for instance, ectoskeletons turned into endoskeletons, so skeletons on the outside of the body all of a sudden became inside the body, but there was nothing showing a mid-stage where they slowly went down, you know, into the under the skin. They just were ecto and then they were endo. And you can see these things in the rocks, you can see these things in the plant life, etc. So... The idea that there have been these times where there have been big evolutionary leaps. Now I I knew that, and now I'm looking at this purple bubbly thing, and now I'm taking into account everything that I've been taught through the infinity wave and through my guides uh, up to that point. This is then at that point I was a year and a half into it, and I went, oh my goodness, this is a real wave too it's not just an energetic wave there is a real thing happening well then I went into studying what was happening Anastasia probably knows this uh, in space that there were uh, red dwarfs turning into brown giants as everything was heating up in the path of something of a microwave blast well so our Sun And our planets, as we all know, in the last bunch of years have become very active, where they used to be just placidly hanging there. Well, not hanging, traveling through space. But uh, they, they, they have now started to have weather and become much more active. And, of course, we know our planet is doing the same thing. So I'm not a scientist, but I am putting a few things together into a hypothesis that we are indeed in a kind of evolutionary push that has happened previously on the planet. Because these blasts, this expert said, happen every 50,000 to a million years, something like that. Well,
3: um, you know, also, uh, Hope, the the Sun was at 26, Sagittarius, the mark of galactic center. You know how low love those 25, 26, 27 degree planets. Yeah. On, on um, December 20th of 2012, when the Mayan calendar ended. So oh, the new okay. burst, the new energies were coming on in a wave from well, galactic Well, and then,
2: and then how about this, this woman who recently discovered that when, when, we, when we look at the galaxy, we tend to see it as that swirling mass and it, and it looks flat. But in fact, it isn't. It's a waffle board. It is traveling in waves. And here's the other thing I'll say, back to the eight and also to this this phenomenon of the waves. In 2011, when I started doing these workshops, I knew very well that if I'm getting something like this and this is a real thing, then a lot of other people are getting it too. So I started to look in stores, you know, in crystal shops and cooperative stores, things like that, for the figure eight. Uh, the infinity sign in packaging and it was nowhere to be found I looked high and low January 2012 boom It's spray painted on a sidewalk I'm walking on somebody hands me a cappuccino and they've made the figure eight in the foam and they have no idea who I am it's not like they did it because they knew I was into it and all of a sudden the infinity sign is showing up and today it is the number one tattoo for women now that phenomenon began right now not only that but i also because i started to go on a lot of you know be interviewed on a bunch of shows and this and that i looked at other teachers and i looked at their their language and so on and you know it, it everybody has their own way of saying things and that's great absolutely wonderful and nobody was speaking in terms of waves but nowadays Look around and you will see people use that term all the time now. So I think on a subconscious level or a superconscious level, humanity is picking up this wavy push and this infinity. There's something in the air, so to speak. Right. Um, I, I really, I mean, it's showing up, so it must be. Absolutely.
3: So I'm looking at the time, and and I would like to um, turn you over now to Ariel and the switchboard to see if there's some people that would like to come on and and ask you some questions or or give some comments. I really enjoyed talking with you, and and I hope that you stay connected to us and our starseed work because I I can visualize us doing work together in the future. So please stay connected to me, Hope.
2: Oh, so trust me, I am one of the biggest fans of Starseed, and I've been sharing it far and wide. No, <laughs> Nothing would Thank please so me bad. more. So back <laughs> to you,
3: Arielle, and we'll talk again later, Hope.
2: Okay, great.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm just amazed at, at all the, the, the synchronicity and, and, and correlations um, between the work that you do and, and the work that we do, and there are a lot of people as you said, that that are receiving it, they may use different terminology. But um I I kinda smiled when it just dawned on me. It's like, well, well look at our our toll free number for the website. Um <laughs> yeah. announced it at the beginning of the show. It's like eight eight one I mean eight 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 one zero eight eight one. And the and the and the ones and the eights cancel out as a nine, so it's all eights. So there you go. <laughs> I just like, okay, yeah, it is everywhere. Um, At this time, um, if you would like, if you're listening and you would like to um, talk to Hope or ask a question, um, if you're on the computer listening, you will need to call in. Uh, The number to call is 917-889-8292. And then press 1 so that we know that you want to come on the air. If you're already on the switchboard, all you have to do is press 1. And um, you can talk to Hope. So, um, you know, after, when I was I, would, I was working on the on the on the show announcement and getting everything done um, over the weekend, I was like, your name was so familiar, and I remember that um, that I did your charts and I, I did a reading for you some time ago. And uh, yes, you did. And, and so it's like, oh wow, you you just never know. Um, who's going to find their way to the site. And um, while you were talking to Lavendar, uh, I confess I went back and refreshed my memory on your chart, and it's like, oh, my gosh, your chart is so much in line with who you are and what you do, or say you are so much in line with your natural state. So um, Mm -hmm. I commend you for that. And uh,
3: Lavendar...
0: I would say Lavendar, in case you... um, hadn't seen her chart, um, Hope was born on March 20th, which is a very significant day, with Athena at the mark of Galactic Center. So, um, probably very few people know what that means, but I'm, I'm telling you, Lavendar. It's like, okay, yeah, that's just perfect, absolutely perfect. So um, is there anything else that you would like to chat about while we are waiting for people to uh, call in? And I remind you, um, again, So we have have a few minutes to uh, dedicate to phone calls and all that, but um, if you have a question, uh, get on the phone and uh, and let us know that you do because we'll run out of time if you don't. So anything else you would like to chat about?
2: Um, You know, I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, models of change, you know, and and the old ones versus the new ones. And again, this helps to elucidate why the wave is watery. Um, It's both metaphoric and it's also literal. So an old model of change would be what we experience mostly in 3D. Um, 3D is set up uh, as a landscape of duality, right? We have yes and no. I, I often think of it as a big grassy playing field, but instead of goalposts, we have just a, a like a big rod in the ground on one end and a big rod in the in the ground on the other end, and one represents yes and one represents no. And living in 3D, we are pretty much in a struggled conversation between those two goalposts. We are we are back and forth in this duality, and we are mistaken in thinking that that's the only way to go, but, but that's what we've been given, and that's where we're shown every single day whenever we tune into the news, the regular news, that is. Um, uh, that's, it just seems to be more and more a, uh, a dualistic world and, and that struggle between them. So when we're moving into uh, the next world, whatever that's going to be, we can be pretty sure that it's not going to only operate in this dualistic way. So what I like to say is we take a gigantic infinity wave and we turn it on its side and we wrap one loop around one of those posts in the field and the other loop around the other post and now we run the water going between the fence, these posts. And that brings up not yes and no, it brings up yes and Yes, and and just saying yes and in your mind sets up a completely different framework for how to experience any given situation. Uh, it, it's all of a sudden like more free. It's more curious. It's more open. And uh, this is more where we're going in in the future when we put that watery figure eight, made of love and compassion over these dualistic fence posts, is not only creates yes and, but it raises the vibration because 10D is vibrating pretty darn fast. So it raises the 3D vibration up and off of the fence posts. When we are freed up off of those posts, now we have access to kinds of information, guidance, from our guidance team, um, guidance from Creator, guidance from Ascended Masters, guidance from the planet and animals uh, and the weather, we are all of a sudden hyper aware. And that's why I believe the infinity wave is just, if we just try that alone to be in a yes and frame of mind and to invite the wave into to any situation, we suddenly have access to another way of existing in the very same situation. So I'm going to give a little – if I can keep talking, I can give a little example of this. Oh,
0: yeah, please um, do. We, um, we don't have any callers yet, and yeah. please, I invite you to call um, and talk to Hope, but you'll need to press 1 um, on the keypad if you've already dialed in so that we know you want to come on the other air. Otherwise, we think you're just listening. So um, continue. I'm fascinated.
2: So uh, I had at one point, um, you know, I was living in in the house with two teenagers, and Lord knows that there is an opportunity there for some strife. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so one night I was having a heated conversation with one of my children, and I removed myself from the room because I could feel myself wanting to be volcanic and uh, decided that I should uh, take a chill. Anyway, I went to my room, sat on my bed, and I was experiencing my body in a complete knot, especially I get it in my, in my stomach, in my belly. It was just tight as a drum, and I wasn't breathing well, you know. Uh, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I felt like, you know, with the, with a V8, I kind of knocked my head. and was like, Hope, use the wave, please. <laughs> I went, oh, yeah, <laughs> the wave. So I immediately put the wave, and the flow of water can be as fast or as gentle as you wish. So I put it right in my belly on full tilt boogie. It was a rushing river, let me tell you. And instantaneously, my body started to relax, it started to melt. Now, this is important for women because when women get angry, the uh, signals that are sent through their bodies to every single cell, not only do you get the hormone release, but you also uh, enliven the cell in in this alarming way that doesn't go away for 24 hours. So a lot of times, if we've ever gotten steaming mad, we usually feel depleted, you know, for about a day. We feel whatever, knocked out. So I was putting the wave in my belly, and I could feel myself instantly relaxing and melting. And as that was happening, I wasn't trying to make this happen on the wave in my belly. My mind started to open up. I started to review Again, wasn't trying to do this. But my mind just gently started to review the conversation. And I started to see where I had said things that may have veered the conversation into uh, less than positive direction. And I could see my part in it. And the next thing was uh, delivered to my mind was, well, you know, if you just said this or that, that would probably help to restore the relationship and put things back on even track and then i started to chuckle at the absurdity of the conversation and when i opened my eyes i had no idea how much time had passed it was about three and a half minutes and i hadn't tried to do it my reality had completely shifted in such a small amount of time, and my body was relaxed. I know I didn't have any more stress hormones running through it. Uh, and I and I I went upstairs to my child's room, and I said the things that had come to me, and everything smoothed out, and everything was fine. And I had learned, blown away, by how quickly my reality, absolutely changed. So, this is. A very simple but very powerful technique for informing uh, our physical selves, our emotional selves, our mental selves, and opening the channel to our spiritual communication. Because I didn't scratch my head and say, gee, I wonder what I did wrong in that conversation. It just opened because I was in a wave state. So the new models of change are going to be this. They're going to be very fluid and very fast. Because in the old days, time was slower. We had time to, you know, and I'm not, you know, I am a big proponent of therapy and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, and what we need now are tools that are going to work dependently and more quickly. So. Doing it in tandem with therapy, for instance, is great. Doing it in tandem with any other practice is great. It's non-denominational, it's really, it's just a tool to deliver more quickly and easily uh, an understanding or a shift um, to any given situation.
0: So you say that it can be any color, it can be any size, it can be any orientation, it can, um, it can be any size, um, yeah. is, there any, is there any sound? Does it make a sound?
2: Um, not to my mind, but people have said that they hear things now and then. Um, you know, you could take it. It's, it's actually pretty good for pain. I've had a lot of people write me over the years saying it helped with migraines or it helped with this or that. Um, you can shrink it up and, and put it in a joint or, uh, Use it to calm your heart. Uh, Just Lots of different physical ways. Helping you to go to sleep. Oh, you can wrap it around your body from head to toe and it's like being in a cradle and run that water very calmly. Oh, it's just beautiful, beautiful, peaceful. If you wake up in the middle of the night, as I know a lot of people do, it's an easy way to get back to sleep. Um, And again, because it's alive, it doesn't require. There's no. It will show up the way it's supposed to show up in any given situation. Sometimes it teaches me how it wants to be used. For instance, sometimes people write me or call me and say, "Could you send me a wave? I'm going in for surgery, or I'm going to do this, or I'm doing that today." And I'll close my eyes and I'll start to imagine them, and I'll just put it because I like turquoise. I'll put a turquoise wave. Uh, wrapping their bodies up in the in the turquoise wave and all of a sudden I'll see three, you know, chartreuse waves dancing around them and in them and so on and so forth and I'll go, oh, oh, I guess that's what they needed today, look at that, that's cool. I don't have a, um, I don't have jurisdiction over the wave, I invite it in, I pretty much live in the energetic of it now without trying, but um, the wave, is so adaptable malleable and that's where we're going in the future we're going towards freedom we're going towards more uh, less attachment to even old belief systems you know
0: oh yeah yeah you right? need attachment. a lot of that
2: <laughs> yes we do. And, we do and moving into the future and sometimes it's even attachment to things that worked for us in the past you know
0: you know, well, like My you said, that, I mean, things have things have changed since 2012, and there is a different dynamic. There is a different um, uh, frequency, and uh, things are going faster. And uh, we've actually got a, a caller here that's waiting to talk to you. So, um, and it, <laughs> it's uh, uh, I think it's a great question. So we're going to bring Elaine on. In just a second, Elaine, let me get your mic open. Hello, sweetie. You have a question for Hope?
2: Yes, I was wondering if she ever uses sound humming, um, toning when she's thinking of the waves. Great question. Yes, I do. Um, I use crystal bowls when I, you know, when I initially delivered the practices and ever since then when I am doing a workshop I use crystal bowls to deliver the practices I believe that the sound is hugely important to the delivery of the tool so uh, if you are sitting there toning and doing the infinity wave the sound and because of course we know sound is a wave Um, they will blend beautifully and and I highly encourage people to do that in fact Uh, listen to if you're if you're not going to tone yourself or hum yourself listen to crystal bowls or something like that that are moving in a waveform in a particular I like the bowls because of their spiraling quality but you can you can listen to anything I, I I believe sound is, is just one of the most important components of, of our lives in the future, currently and in the future. That's a great question. Is there a particular um, note on the
1: crystal balls that you use, one that's root chakra or crown chakra
3: It
0: depend on what you're doing?
2: Yes, it's funny. Uh, I don't do the choosing. I do the choosing through dowsing. I allow the dowsing to do the choosing. Um, The bowls, I consider them uh, to have a consciousness. And interestingly, they know which one should play for which practice and for for the particular group that I'm with as well. I used to have a weekly meditation group for a number of years, uh... here at my home and we would spend some time catching up with one another and talking and so on and only after we had had our little powwow did i go and douse for which bowl wanted to play because the, it, the bowls knew what sound the group needed to hear based on what the topics were of the day um, so i trust them implicitly and uh... That's, that's how it's done. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Okay. Thanks so much for calling in, Elaine. Good to hear from you. Bye-bye. Thanks, uh, we When you were talking about that, Hope, um, I, I don't know if this is even possible because I don't really work with crystal bowls a whole lot, um, but what if you had two crystal bowls and you did the, you did the figure eight around one bowl and then back around the other one did, would that work
2: that would be an interesting experiment Arielle I'm gonna to have to try that <laughs> um, usually what happens is the sound I'll tell you what happens for me okay uh, when I go into meditation with the bowl I become one with the bowl I This is something, again, that I learned at Findorn. Before you do any task, as I explained, you do an attunement. And that means first you stand with your work team and you hold hands and you attune to one another. But then when you go in to pick up your knife to chop the carrots, let's say, you attune with your instrument and you take a second and you're holding it in your hand and you acknowledge that there are molecules and atoms in that instrument that are not unlike yours and that in a sense you are one. And once you do that, the work goes super easily and uh, quickly. So I attune with first the, the striker thing that I use to, to play the bowl and become one with that in my hand. And then I attune with the bowl I run a wave with the bowl from my heart down into the center of the bowl. So now the bowl is infused with the infinity wave. So anything that comes out of the bowl in terms of sound is infinity wave sound, basically. It's it's married. And uh, people report all kinds of things in a group where they have a shared experience. Uh, I have to believe that that's partly because the wave is being delivered uniformly in a in a spiraling you, you know circular pattern uh, throughout the room, so that lots of people can pick up on the same thing. I play the bowl as I deepen into the the meditation. Uh, the bowl continues to come alive more and more, and actually really take on a life of its own. I'm just <laughs> I'm just. Circling my arm, it's the bowl singing really on its own. So it's a process um, of unity with the bowl for me. Now, if I was going to play from one bowl to the other, I don't know how that would be, but I am so willing to try. <laughs> great
0: idea. I, I was just—it was just an, a mental um, image that I had while you were talking to Elaine, and yeah. um, and I wanted to also ask. When when you invite the wave, is is the water running um, kind of like on on a on a how can I say it? Is the water spiraling within the figure eight as it travels you know up and back down and back around or is it more like like, like on a racetrack with you know with the cars going kind of on a on a on a single plane But or does because I just got this this um, I'm I'm trying to to really absorb this Would the water in the figure eight be spiraling as it moves through the two halves?
2: It is anyway. It's a yes and yes and it's okay.
0: I got it. Okay.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah. You can't
0: really do it wrong.
2: That's it. I really want to encourage everybody to, to just understand you can't do it wrong. You can't. Uh, all you have to do is picture an eight made of flowing water and anything else that comes to you is gravy. It, you just play with it. Let it show itself to you. See how it feels to run a spiraling watery figure eight. I love that. Uh, and, and just have a ball. The ways of imagining and using the wave are infinite. And so. Uh,
0: <laughs> That's not a pun either, is it?
2: <laughs> no, it really isn't. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, I just, I love it, be, you know, because it's. However you, you summon it and use it and picture it, it's, I mean, the, the, really the key factor is that this is a, a wave of ultimate love and compassion. And however you dress it up doesn't matter as long as you've got that one basic thing, right?
2: Right. And and I would just rephrase that a little bit to say that we're not really dressing it up. It It is doing it to us. So we get to – it's dancing with us. We get to observe it. Okay. Uh, okay? So mm-hmm. you might start out like I did – Oh, I'm gonna put a turquoise wave around so and so. But then I leave I it's like an open canvas. I leave room for it to be something else. Uh, to show me how it wants to scene that day for that particular person. And you know what? If I wave to them an hour later, they might be pink, there might be four of them, there might be one. You know, it, it it's 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 always changing and and it's always appropriate. So you know, this walking into, walking out of 3D requires a great deal of faith and trust, and and even just trusting that something like this, that's, you know, if we're going to go at it from a rational side, we go, this is, I, what are you talking about, this is crazy, <laughs> but, uh, and, and, uh, any. Any steps into a different world require faith and trust to not just rely on that left brain, to rely on a landscape that you can't even see yet, to know that it is there. I can tell you it's there. I, I've been living this multidimensional life for a few years now, and and it, it it's possible. And I'm not saying, yay me, every single person can do this. I'm just trying to let everybody know that. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have special stars even. You know, everybody can do this. And that's what we're being called to. Uh, that's, That's the big ticket that we came in here to grab. So it's exciting. And this is a tool to use in a variety of ways. To try to cross that bridge to to move yourself out of 3d a little bit at a time perhaps into this other way of living this other way of experiencing life and I can say I mean I always yearned to go from believing to knowing I have books and books and books on my shelf that i read and you know and I didn't realize that I was on I wasn't a knower I I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize until I took my step off the diving board into free fall that that's how you get to knowing there is a leap of faith. There is that thing you do and, um, and the wave will help you to do it. It it brings comfort. It brings clarity, believe it or not. It brings, uh, courage and, uh, Now, here's something interesting, you know, to your point, like how how we might dress it up. One thing you can do is you could invite in another quality or two or three into the wave. For instance, if you're wrestling with a scary situation or this kind of leap of faith, you could say, okay, I'm going to invite the wave into my body. I'm going to let my body calm down. And I'm going to invite... The, the essence of courage to join with the love and compassion. And I'm going to allow that to just work its way through my body and through all my bodies, my mental, my emotional, and my spiritual bodies, so that I will become infused with courage. And when I hold that in my body, I mean, you can almost feel like just doing it right now, I can feel myself just getting more solid in my ability to do something, you know, a little bit scary. Um, You know, we are taught that we have this goal of enlightenment. You know, if we just get to enlightenment, my experience is that there is no such thing as a... An endpoint called enlightenment it is a series of enlightenments that we go through and each time we have a shattering a kind of shattering of a belief system that can be challenging to let go of but it happens and then all of a sudden we're in a new world we've crossed the threshold we have reached a certain level of enlightenment we have a new knowing oh my gosh and then we move through that, we work with that for a while, and then there's another one, another layer. That's why the peeling the onion is so perfect. And each time there's a shattering, and each time we have, we reach a level of enlightenment, which never, ever ends, even after we leave this mortal coil. We are still evolving through a series of enlightenments. So, well, isn't,
0: isn't evolution itself a spiral, a never ending?
2: Yes. yes, absolutely. And so where we are, where any of us are on the spiral right at this moment, we know we could nudge ourselves a few feet or inches or whatever forward and upward on that spiral, and the wave is here to help us do that. And I'm going to tell you one last thing that I think you're going to love. So the same time that I, I saw those, uh, that photograph, that NASA photograph in the spring of 2012, I received a phone call from an old friend who I hadn't spoken to in 10 years. And she said, Hopi, what are you doing uh, these days? And I knew that she was a very religious person, so I was kind of picking my words very carefully uh, when I was trying to describe what I was doing. And she said, well, it might interest you to know that that in December of 2010, so now this is a month after the wave came in for me, she said. Uh, my husband and I decided to try an experiment, and we decided to try to be mediums. And we got Jonathan Edwards' uh, you know, CD set, and it turns out that I'm a medium. And she said, and we've written four books.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> so I know they had interviewed scientists, physicists, historians, spiritual people, uh, world leaders, uh, whatever not world, the country leaders through our through humanity's time uh, about what heaven was like, uh, about what their thoughts were now about uh, their lives then and and what life is like now. These books are fantastic. And I I said, Wow I she said, Yeah I mean, you know, we talked to Buddha and we talked to Winston Churchill and we talked, you know, and everybody in between. And so I quickly, you know, uh went and read the books. But the thing that I'm the reason I bring this up is because she said so at some point I decided we we should ask somebody in the future, you know, what life is like. So we we called in what we call Future Man. And we talked to him about a bunch of things and and then we asked him, well what do you what is your religion or what what prayer, what do you what do you worship? What, what's that like for you? And all he sent back was the number 8. <laughs> She said, do you know what that means?
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
2: I said, I said, okay, now I have to tell you what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> gosh, well, I, I wish we had more than just a couple minutes left because I'd like to hear more about that story. So that means that you're just going to have to come back.
2: Well, I would love that. <laughs> come
0: back on another show. And especially uh, when you get your book done, uh, definitely come on and uh, and tell us all about it. So, And we, we, really, we really just have a, a minute or two here. And, um, Lavendar, if you have anything to interject before I wrap up, now's the time.
3: No, I, I don't have anything. I'm just thrilled that she came on the show, and I'm thrilled with the, with all of the um, number eight uh, information that we've had tonight. It's thrilling for me. Thank you so much, oh. Hope, for, for sharing that with us.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure and my honor. Thank you.
0: Well, once again, your website is wewe-infinity.com, and um, you're you're also a faculty member at Godself.com, and uh, we encourage you to uh, check out. uh, You said you've also got a Facebook page.
2: Yes, it's called uh, Wave Energy Evolution.
0: Okay, great. Well, everyone, take a look at Hope's. Um, websites and Facebook page and do put this into practice because I can, I can just see and s- how it's uh, developing for you and, and you're, tr- you're truly right that anybody can do this and you can't do it wrong. So that- that's wonderful news.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: we thank you so much for spending some time with us and our audience and we look oh, forward to having you. you back on the show.
2: Thank you so much, so much. And, I, and thank you again for all of your work because it's it's really inspiring and it's, it's taught me a lot.
0: Well, it's our pleasure and privilege. So thank you very much. Hope Fitzgerald. Well, from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, we thank you for listening. And um, we will be back next week. And until then, remember to do something nice for the planet. Mother Earth. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.